0: Have you ever wondered where you can go in the Salt Lake Valley to browse one of the largest inventories of books that'll help you defend the Christian faith? The answer is the Utah Christian Research Center, located at 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. The center is open Wednesday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at utahchristianresearchcenter.com. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism.
1: Did the Apostle Paul teach that there were three degrees of glory? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In October of 2023, Dallin H. Oaks, first counselor in the first presidency, gave a conference message titled, Kingdoms of Glory. The transcript of that talk is found in the November 2023 edition of the Leahona Magazine. It begins on page 26, and for the past couple of weeks we've been going through this talk. I mentioned it in an earlier show. This is one of the few conference messages that deals with unique LDS theology. Maybe that's why I'm fascinated by this, because most conference messages are not all that exciting, but this is one time where Dallin Oaks, at least, is going to get into some real unique teaching. And some of the things I'm finding, Eric, are just fascinating because he just brings up these conclusions and you have to scratch your head wonder, where did he get this? One of those points you could say is today's topic, and that is when we're looking on page 27 in the middle column towards the bottom of this article, Kingdoms of Glory, Dallin Oaks has this interesting statement to make.
2: The Apostle Paul describes the three degrees of glory, likening them to the glories of the sun, moon, and stars. He names the highest celestial and the second terrestrial.
1: Let me stop you there, because I think he says something that's erroneous when he starts off that sentence. He says, the Apostle Paul describes three degrees of glory. No, he doesn't. He does not describe three degrees of glory. He most certainly does talk about the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, and states that one star differs from another star in glory. But he does not teach three degrees of glory. Now, remember, the context in which Oak says that, it has to be based on what he has described so far. And if you go back into his conference message, he's being pretty specific about what these different degrees are all about and what's required in order to get there. Paul does not do that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40. He says specifically, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. That's not three, according to what Dallin Oaks believes, or what most Latter-day Saints believe. That's two. Based on that alone, what is a terrestrial body? Most would say that's an earthly body. What's a celestial body in this context? They would say it's a heavenly body, like the stars or the moon, as Paul talks about. But nowhere do you read in there that Paul is talking about three degrees of glory as understood by Dallin Oak. So he's reading into the text, a classic case of eisegesis, reading into the text something that Paul never said. So when Dallin Oaks says the Apostle Paul describes three degrees of glory. It's just not true. But what does Dallin Oaks go on to say? Read that all again so our listeners get it in its proper context.
2: He names the highest celestial and the second terrestrial. He does not name the lowest, but a revelation of Joseph Smith added its name, telestial. Another revelation also describes the nature of the persons to be assigned to each of these kingdoms of glory.
1: Okay. He does not name the lowest, but a revelation to Joseph Smith added its name, telestial. Well, if he did not name the lowest, then how can you conclude that he describes three degrees of glory? It seems like he refutes himself in that same paragraph. Yes, Joseph Smith added telestial. If you were to read a Joseph Smith translation, I have one sitting right here. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15.40. Also, celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies telestial. But the glory of the celestial one, and the terrestrial another, and the telestial another. You see, what Joseph Smith does here is he puts words in the mouth of the Apostle Paul. And Dallin Oaks does basically the same thing, because he is telling his readers, or in this case, his listeners, because this, as we said, was a conference message, he says the Apostle Paul describes the three degrees of glory. No, he does not. He doesn't.
2: Is this the same Joseph Smith we're supposed to believe, who supposedly did not even look at the gold plates to translate the Book of Mormon? Is this the same Joseph Smith who translated, supposedly, the Book of Abraham, and then later, when the manuscript was found, was shown that he did not have the ability to translate Egyptian. So what right does Joseph Smith have, without understanding the Greek and the Hebrew, if that even mattered to him, to be able to add a word in that is not in the original Koine Greek
1: text? Yeah, it's like the warning that we find throughout Scripture that talks about being careful— not to put words in God's mouth, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. That was just something you did not do. Don't say God said this when he never said it. And I would say, don't say Paul said this when he never said it. But when Dallin Oaks admits that he does not name the lowest, which means he did not talk about three degrees of glory, but a revelation to Joseph Smith added its name telestial. Now, where does that word come from? If we look at the 1828 dictionary that was in circulation during the lifetime of Joseph Smith, you won't find the word telestial in that dictionary. Just for fun, I went out and looked at my dictionaries and I found one that was from 1990 that didn't even have the word telestial in it. But what Joseph Smith does, this is what I believe, he merely took celestial and terrestrial and combines the two kind of like the way he combines Moses and Isaiah and comes up with Mosiah. He's just good at taking words and combining them and making up new words.
2: So, Bill, your point is, Oak said the Apostle Paul describes the three degrees of glory. It would have been better to have said the Apostle Paul describes two degrees of glory while Joseph Smith adds in the third. I
1: think that would be much more honest. But, of course then you would think that he would have had to take the time to explain this. I, I think after what he says here, he should have taken the time to explain this. Where does this word telestial come from? Well, Dallin Oaks isn't about to say that Joseph Smith made up the word. He's not going to agree with my conclusion on this. But the point is, we do not find Paul saying what Dallin Oaks says he said. And we need to be careful about that. Don't be giving credit when the credit is not due in this particular case. But I know he's trying to make a point here. What he's just admitted is that their founding prophet, his founding prophet, felt that he could just insert a word in Scripture and everybody should believe him. Now, I know Latter-day Saints are willing to fall in line because once they believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet, he can say just about whatever he wants, and he can do just about whatever he wants. That's, this is why so many Latter-day Saints defend Joseph Smith when you bring up his having more than one wife. Well, he was a prophet. Yeah, but prophets were actually held to a higher standard in the Bible— I mean, look at Moses. He's not even allowed to go into Canaan, and I've said this many times, merely for hitting a rock. That's not giving Moses more of a license to do things badly. He was held to a higher standard. Why is it Latter-day Saints don't hold Joseph Smith to a higher standard? They make all sorts of excuses for him, and, and that's tragic. I think it's really tragic.
2: Oaks continues and says, those who do not choose to abide the law of a celestial kingdom will inherit another kingdom of glory, lesser than the celestial, but suited to the laws they have chosen, and can comfortably abide.
1: Now, let me stop you there, because this is the second time he's used that expression, talking about comfortably abiding. He says it earlier in his talk, and now he says it again. You're not going to inherit the celestial kingdom, but you're going to inherit another kingdom of glory, lesser than the celestial, but suited to the laws they have chosen and can comfortably abide. Now, when we talk to Latter-day Saints and we ask them, are you keeping celestial law, which, as we've discussed in this series, must be kept by an individual member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints if they hope to get into the celestial kingdom, most of them will say they don't. If they're honest, they'll say they don't. They're trying. They wish they could, but they don't do it. So obviously, compelling a member to keep celestial law is probably not real comfortable for them because they can't do it. The fact that they can't do it must also be uncomfortable for them. But yet, Oakes uses this interesting language where he says, suited to the laws they have chosen and can comfortably abide. Let's think about this. Now, if I'm Jewish and I die, and after I die, I'm going to be visited by these spirit missionaries telling me about the restored gospel, I'm going to have to go along and believe in Jesus, something that during my entire life, perhaps, I fought against. I don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I don't believe that he's God manifest in the flesh. But if I'm going to end up in the terrestrial kingdom, I have to do that. So I would not be comfortable, if I were Jewish, to believe that Jesus is one of the three gods in the Godhead, as Mormons understand it. I would not be comfortable with that. So that means I reject that message by the missionaries, let's say. This is all hypothetical. And so what happens now? I end up going to the celestial kingdom. That's where I'm going to be comfortable. But wait a minute, the celestial kingdom is full of whoremongers, adulterers, sorcerers, and liars, we are told, according to Mormonism. In fact, Dallin Oaks even mentions that on page 28 of this conference message. They who are liars, sorcerers, adulterers, and whoremongers, and whoever loves and makes a lie, he says. Now, if those people are going to be comfortable where they abide, is Dallin Oaks hinting that you can practice those behaviors in the celestial kingdom? Put that way, I would hope Dallin Oaks would find what I just said abhorrent. But I would ask Dallin Oaks, explain to me, what are you saying here? A lesser than the celestial, but suited to the laws they have chosen and can comfortably abide.
2: Is God happy when people are abiding comfortably in the telestial kingdom? And if that suits you, go ahead and do what you want to do. That certainly seems opposite of the God that we read about in both the Old and the New Testaments, that God is a God of justice. That doesn't seem like justice to me, that you just get to do whatever you want, that go against what God intends for you to do.
1: Yeah, I, I think Dale and Oaks's language When he uses that expression, comfortably abide. And like I said, he he does it twice in this conference message. Bad choice of words, perhaps, but it does seem to open up a whole bunch of rebuttal questions to what are you actually talking about? If I'm, let's say, an adulterer and a whoremonger during this lifetime, and I'm comfortable doing that, am I going to be comfortable in the celestial kingdom because I'm allowed to continue that aberrant behavior? I think most Latter-day Saints would immediately say no, but then I think Dallin Oaks needs to have another conference message and explain to us what he means by these kind of people are going to comfortably abide in that level of glory.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.